smiles in town hall tonight, folks. 60 minutes of fun and music brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste and Sal Hepatica. Ipana for the smile of beauty. Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Fun from Hollywood with our star comedian Fred Allen, who tonight brings us Jack Benny. Music by Peter Van Steeden. New features, new music, new laughs. It's Town Hall tonight! <laughs> Fred Allen leads his parade of stars to the Old Town Hall. Fred's leading the band dressed as Santa, followed by those claws in the theater sides of the mighty Allen Art players. Let's join the happy crowd, folks. Everybody's going. Here they come, Speed Demons. What the hell have you come for, Mr. Speed Demons? I must, old Bean. I've got to get to my radio in a hurry. Town Hall tonight. Professor Kickard, why are you taking your balloon up again? The radio reception is better in a trader, fair lady. It's town hall today. Deep sea divers. Don't tell me you've located a sunken treasure in that wreck, Bill. Yeah, and if the radio down there is still worse, and it's Jack Benny tonight. <laughs> before the old town hall, and there's Fred with an old oil lamp making light of the folks as they pass inside. Let's listen. Eeny, meeny, miny, and the mole the merrier, folks. All roads lead to the old town hall. Now, don't jostle, madam. Hi there, croak voice. Hi, Pez. Hello, Mrs. Sider. Is Jack Benny here tonight, Mr. Allen? Not all here, but all there is of Benny you'll find on the inside. With a joke, a tune, and we're starting soon. So hurry, 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 hurry. Uh, you finished, Fred? You bet, Harry. And it's up to Peter now. His first number is Be a Good Sport. Well, I'll try, Fred. Let her go, Peter. get a weather strip put on the hall. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we have a nice night for us this evening, and before the Hollywood Weather Bureau butts in with a commercial to take the credit for the weather, I'll read you the town hall bulletin for tonight. Arch White, the first grocer to sell bacon sliced so thin that the streets had to be pinned to the fatty part, has a special announcement. 
Art says that during the cold spell, he's taking out his dial phone and putting in one of the old stylus, folks. Art says you can't use a dial phone with your mittens on, and it's so doggone cold in the store, if you take your mittens off, it'll frost your hangnail. So until it warms up, Hodge is inviting all mitten lovers to stop in and phone in comfort. So much for smart customer appeal around the village, and now for the town hall news. The curtain, Harry. Uh, for certain, Fred. The curtain for certain. A long fella, hey? Oh, I'm only five foot two, Fred. The lights go out, and we bring you the latest news of the week. The town hall news sees nothing, shows all. Washington, D.C., Government Weather Bureau predicts that backbone of recent cold wave is broken and nation can expect moderate temperatures for, from now on. Town Hall News, checking on recent snowstorms and below zero weather around the country, interviews prominent citizens affected. Tales of strange happenings are rampant in the land as a result of recent cold. At Bildad, Nova Scotia, Mr. Tufton Pump gives off-record statements. How did you find the recent snap, Mr. Pump? It's the worst storm I've seen in these parts in the past ten years, uh, all but one year. Didn't you uh, see a storm that year? I didn't see nothing that year, son. I broke my glasses. I, I see. Well, how cold was it, Mr. Pump? Well, to give you a rough idea, our Townsend Club gave a community sing last week, and they called on me to solo. What happened? It was so doggone cold, I opened my mouth to sing Old Man River... What came out? An icicle, two cornices long. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Pump. At Eclair, Wisconsin, Mrs. Nadine Wine, a housewife, tells her strange story. You say it was real stormy, Mrs. Wine. Lord, yes. Snow was so high yesterday, folks going by the house were stooping down to look in my transom. Was it, uh... Was it uncomfortable indoors? I was chilled so bad, I shook half the spots off a polka dot Mother Hubbard. Must have been cold, all right. It was plum bitter. Why, I sat down on a chair and thought I had a frostbite. Wasn't it frostbite? No, I was sitting onto my false teeth, the lowers. Thank you, Mrs. Wine. At Rockaway Beach, New York, four dice Vestbaum, retired pushcart baron had ghastly experience in the cold wave. What took place, Mr. Messbaum? Why, what's happening to me should happen to Apollo Bear. Did the uh, cold affect you physically? Not only physically, but financially. Really? What happened? For 15 years, my neighbor gold club, a tight one, but a good one, is owing me $4. Yesterday in a blizzard, I am meeting gold club. Face to face? Beard to beard, we are meeting. <laughs> the temperature is below. Below zero? Below zero, is asking. On top of the mercury, zero is looking like a halo yet. <laughs> but what about Gold Slob? Gold Slob, all of a sudden, getting sociable. He's saying, Miss Brown, for 15 years, I'm owing you $4. And today, you're catching me, and I'm with the settle. Did you get the money? Well, I'm putting out my hand in the coal to take it. And lo and give out, I'm hearing something dropping. Was it the $4? What $4? It was four of my fingers. A climate, please. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> At Hollywood, California, Miss Fern Fickle, loyal Californian, denies the very existence of a cold wave. You say you didn't observe the sudden change in temperature, Miss Fickle? In California, one doesn't discuss the weather with strangers, mister. 
Why, uh, not with strangers, huh? Only entre nous. Why, it was freezing. It was freezing last week. Oh, yes. Zero night. The Chamber of Commerce arranges it annually. Uh, it's to help people with swimming pools. The Chamber of Commerce wants your swimming pools to freeze? Yes. Once a year, we tip up the ice and sweep out the bottom of the pools. You Californians take the cake. No, we lower it back in the pool instantly. You deny... You deny... <laughs> you deny the existence of bad weather here in Hollywood recently? As a loyal Californian, I do. Why, it was so cold last night, I saw hail coming down. Not hail, tourists. You might have seen some puffed rain, but not hail. <laughs> this is California. Thank you, Miss Faco. Many farm tenants report unusual happenings. At Pine Snuff, Arkansas, Farmer Conway Straggle is interviewed in his barn. Don't you feel the cold here in your barn, Farmer Straggle? You're darn tootin', stranger. It's cold in here right now. I'm steam heating them hens' nests. You, uh, you have to heat the nest? Sure do. How'd you like to sit down in a nest of cold straw and try to lay an egg? Well, I, uh... Me neither, son. <laughs> Does the... <laughs> Does the cold bother your cows? You betcha. Milk freezes right in them. I've been getting it out in sticks. Milk sticks? Yeah. Well, look, I'll show you. I'll move over there, Betsy. Mm -hmm. uh, quiet. I'll milk her for you. <laughs> All right. Easy, Betsy. Take it easy. Now, watch this. The milk comes out about a foot, and it freezes, and I snap her off. Thank you, Farmer Straggle. Break me off a pint and I'll take it with me. Oh, well, These flashes have given you a, an idea of the present-day machine-age cold wave, ladies and gentlemen. But in the mind of the oldest inhabitant, the outstanding cold wave ever to sweep this country occurred during the winter of 1871. On the night of January 2nd, 1871, the mercury took a 52-degree drop. The drop... First guest stars tonight, the Basin Street Boys. You have heard their voices many times in musical cartoons, and tonight they sing their latest number, You Drove the Gloom Away. Ha, ha, ha. 
Eden and the Arpana Troubadours have just played Limehouse Blues. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't expect to meet... Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. Will you get a... Will you get away from here? Is this Wednesday night or not? Well... <laughs> As I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, tonight you didn't expect to meet... Uh, whom, Fred? Well, right in back of this radio studio on the Warner Brothers lot here, Harry, there's a gentleman who operates a lunch wagon. Mm -hmm. Day and night, he is a veritable tornado of chopped meat and onions, for he is a genial Merlin who assembles hamburgers at an instant's notice for his customers. And his customers, Harry, are only movie and radio celebrities. Now, I think a man who works untold hours to help radio and movie favorites fend off malnutrition has an odd profession. He certainly has, Fred. Well, I've invited him to jump out of his frying pan into our fire this evening and see how it feels to be grilled himself. And so then, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I know you didn't expect to meet Mr. Willie King. Willie, you always make all of us feel at home at your lunch wagon, and Harry and I want you to feel at home here with us tonight. Thank you, Miss Allen. I'll do my best. Well, first of all, do you just operate this one lunch wagon in back of the studio? No, I have six wagons all together. Uh, where are the other five touring cafes? They're in a the garage. I only use them for special occasions. For banquets, weddings, and things like that, you mean? No. When one of the picture companies go on location, I send out my trucks to serve lunch to the actors and mechanics. I see. You have the location concession. Right. I'm the only lunchman with the exclusive concession at the, at the studio. You, uh, you haven't any competition then? Well, there's one fellow running a freelance lunch wagon, but he can't muscle in on my territory. A, uh, a freelance lunch wagon, eh? <laughs> it isn't that fellow they call, uh, Tomain Sam, is it? I won't mention any names. Why should I advertise a competitor? <laughs> You're right, Willie. Well, tell me, has your lunch wagon ever been in any of the Warner pictures? Yes. At the one you ate, you eat, was used, I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. It was in I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang, huh? Well, how did it scream? For not being made up and considering it's a wagon, it looked pretty good. <laughs> well, you ought to paint your wagon red, Willie, and be ready for Technicolor. You think it's a bad idea? I think it's a good idea. <laughs> but say... <laughs> There's one... Uh, don't mind my voice tonight, Willie. I'm taking uh, voice lessons from Andy Devine's teacher. It's just <laughs> having effect. But say, there's one question I forgot I should have really asked you first, Willie. How did you get into this a la carte cafe business? Well, years ago, I used to be in picture business. Uh-huh. Now it comes out. You were an actor, huh? No. I was assistant director with Larry Seaman in Silent Pictures. What was the last picture you worked on? The Wizard of Oz. Were there any actors who are stars today in The Wizard of Oz? Clark Abel was an extra in that picture. He carried a spear. I wonder... I wonder what ever became of that spear. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Naturally. But how did, how did you happen to work yourself up from assistant directing to owning a lunch wagon? Well... Well, when the talkies came in, I asked Jack Warner to give me the lunchroom concession at his studio. And Jack Warner did, huh? Yes, Fred. That was 12 years ago, and thanks to his kindness, I've been in business ever since. Well, I imagine, Willie, that during the past 12 years, you have sold a sandwich to practically every big star on the Warner lot. Yes, I've known them all. And you're acquainted with all of the Warner stars today, of course. Oh, yes. Dick Powell, John Modell, Edward G. Robinson, Andy Devine, Ted O'Brien, Leslie Howard. What does, uh, say, what does Leslie Howard usually have for lunch? Kippers and... And, uh, crumpets? 
No, Mr. Howard generally has coffee and donuts. Well, confidentially, Willie, have you ever caught uh, Leslie Howard uh, dunking? Well, one day... Now, wait for your laugh, Willie. Wait for your laugh. Well, one day when he was when he was drinking his coffee, I did hear a splash. You heard a splash while Mr. Howard was drinking his coffee. <laughs> was Les dunking? No, his wristwatch fell in his coffee. <laughs> well, who else bolts calories at your table d'hote trailer? Ruby Keeler. Does Ruby like your hamburgers? She says they're the best in town. No kidding, huh? Is Al, Al, uh, what's his name, her husband, uh, Al, uh, that fellow, is he a hamburger addict? No, <laughs> No, Al generally takes his steak smothered in ketchup. What about Betty Davis? Miss Davis is crazy about potatoes. Potatoes. I've seen her order fried potatoes and potato salad in the same plate. I imagine you treasure the mental picture you have of Miss Davis's potatoes among your starchy souvenirs, Willie. <laughs> There's no time for sentiment when you're running a lunch wagon, friend. <laughs> Say, I've forgotten one of Warner Brothers' most important stars, Willie. Have you ever served Paul Muni? Sure, but I have trouble recognizing him. He looks so different in every picture. You've never chased Mr. Muni away from the wagon, have no, you? No, but once when he was making Louis Pasteur, I kept him waiting a half an hour. I didn't, recon- I didn't recognize him with his beard on. Did uh, Mr. Muni stop in for lunch at every- Emil Zola? Every day. I'd like to have seen Zola eating a hamburger. Say... <laughs> Say, if they're good enough for Paul Muni, they're good enough for Zola. Well, you've been catering to movie folks so long, Willie. Tell me, who eats more, the stars or the extras? Well, the extra usually. Lots of the stars are dieting while they're working. Have you ever witnessed any unusual gluttony at your wagon? <laughs> Once I saw Barton McLean eat five steak sandwiches in a row. Five steak sandwiches? When I... Is that an all-time vitamin record? No. I think Al Dubin, the songwriter, holds the record. Oh, I've seen Al. He's a pretty big boy. Al must weigh about 250. I know. I heard they offered him a job as a stand-in over at the Elysian Mountain until they get the runaway part. <laughs> till they get the, the runaway part back in place. What did, the, what did Al eat the day he broke your record? As I recall, Al had two ham sandwiches, two hot dogs, two hamburgers, salami sandwich with ice cream, and plenty of coffee and tea in between. What did Al say when he finished? It wasn't a word. I get it. <laughs> well, th- well, th- well, thanks, Willie, for giving us this opportunity to put on our optical napkins and take a peek behind your mound of chopped steak and onions. It's been a pleasure, Fred. You, uh, you like the radio business, eh? It's not bad. You don't have to wear an apron. (laughs) I know, but you found the secret of success in your own business, Willie. You hitched your lunch wagon to a movie star. And the Warner Brothers. Right. Every sandwich, a Warner Brother production. Now, before you go, is there a word of encouragement or advice you'd like to give to any youngsters who might be thinking of going into your business? Only this, Fred. If you're going to be a success making hamburger sandwiches, you've got to make both ends meet. Meat. <laughs> Meat as in hamburger, I see. Well, good night and thank you, Willie King. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the King's Man. Tonight, the boys sing Nobody Loves a Riveter But His Mother. Hammer away, boys.
gotcha. All for one and one for all. That's how a squirrel plays basketball. Get me. Gotcha. Get me. Gotcha. That's how I oin me weekly check. Put a hammer on me shoulder and a girder around me neck. Hey, you guys, look at that swell dame down below. There she go. Get me. Hey, how do you get that hit me there with a red hot river? Oh, look what you're doing, you clumsy boo. Oh, I'm fed up with this lousy job anyhow. Why? A girl can love a sailor, a butcher or a tailor, but nobody loves a riveter but his mother. A girl can love a plumber or some guy even dumber, but nobody loves a riveter but his mother. She'd love a crook who'd break into a jewelry shop, if she's a cook, she'd even love a cop. But when we start to rivet, no woman cannot live it, so nobody loves a riveter but his mother. gentlemen, Mr. Eugene Lester. Mr. Lester is not a soloist by profession. Gene is the official candid cameraman for the popular radio magazine, The Radio Guy. Gene, you're out here in Hollywood doing candid camera work on some of the radio shows, aren't you? Yes, Fred, I've been shooting all the shows originating from the West Coast here. You have, huh? What shows have you done recently? Well, so far I've done the Hollywood Mardi Gras, the Burns and Allen show, uh, Phil Baker... And then, uh, uh, I think that fellow sitting over there in the corner was on one of them. Oh, Mr. Benny? Uh, that, that, that's oh. the one. Yeah, that's the one. Well, the, uh, <laughs> you'll know as soon as you get the things developed. Yeah, I, uh... <laughs> if, there's any doubt, if there's any doubt as to what's been going on, Gene, and your camera, as soon as you get the strips developed, you can let us know. When are these going to be in, these pictures you've been snapping? I saw you taking some in our dress rehearsal today. When are they going to be in Radio Guide? Well, these pictures that I've taken today will be in your issue of Radio Guide on January 7th. January 7th, eh? And uh, you do... I heard you humming at your work, you know, the other day, and that is the reason why we've uh, sort of invited you to carol for us this evening, Gene. Do you uh, do do, uh, much uh, singing ad libitum besides your camera work? Well, I do a lot of singing in the dark room where nobody can hear me. Well, that's... (laughs) But tonight you're going to come right out with the lights on and see what happens, eh? Do you prefer photography to, to singing? Well, they sort of both work hand in hand. Well, they do in a way at that. The only difference is that a photographer would be apt to tell other people to look out for little birdie, whereas the singer would have to look out for the little birdie himself. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, uh, all right, Gene. I guess we have exhausted the fun uh, for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we mustn't be too funny now because Mr. Benny is coming along with a wham shortly. And we... <laughs> what are you going to sing, Gene? Well, there's a new tune called Rosalie that seems to be pretty popular today. Rosalie from the picture of the same name? That's right. <laughs> all right. Rosalie. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, 
conduct a little experiment at, uh, experiment at this point. You see, some expert has just burst into print with a statement that radio audiences listen with only half their mind and consequently have only a vague idea of what they hear. Well, uh, you think you can change all that, Fred? No, Harry. All I want to do is to prove or disprove it. Now, if I can just get someone within the range of these tired eyes, uh, well, this gentleman here in the front row. Uh, do you uh, listen regularly to this program, sir? Every chance I get. My public. Would you, uh... <laughs> would, would you mind stepping up to the microphone just a second, sir? Glad to. Thank you. Now, will you tell me in your own words what Mr. Von Bell says every week about Ipana toothpaste? Well, I'll try. Let's see. He recommends Ipana toothpaste and massage, and my dentist backed him up on it, too. He says you can help keep your teeth bright and sparkling with the regular use of Ipana. And I think he makes a very good point when he says that the soft, creamy foods we eat don't give our gums enough work to do. But if we massage our gums every day with Ipana toothpaste, we can give them the exercise they need to help keep them firm and healthy. I guess that just about covers everything. Well, Fred, this gentleman sort of knocks your expert theory into a cocked hat, doesn't he? Well, of course, Mr. Vonzell, I've been using Ipana for a couple of years now, and just lately with one of those new double-duty toothbrushes, so I've had plenty of chance to check up on your statements. Maybe that's why I remember them so well. Well, whatever the reason is, we're very indebted to you, sir. Not at all, Mr. Bonzell. Oh, there's one more thing I didn't mention. Well, maybe we'd better leave that for Harry. He might feel slighted if we didn't. Go ahead, Harry. Well, I don't know. All that's left for me to say is since brighter teeth and healthier gums naturally mean a far more attractive smile, ladies and gentlemen, always remember I Pana for the smile of beauty. <laughs> Tonight will continue immediately following a short pause for your station identification. Panda Troubadours have just played uh, part of I'm Feeling Like a Million. We started our new service a few weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen. You know, on all of the hour programs right in the middle where the announcer says this is station so-and-so-and-so-and-so, the music always sort of dies out, and for a few brief seconds, you miss part of the tune. So week after week now, we are going to give you back the few little bars of music you miss when the announcer speaks in our program. Will you play the few uh, strains there, Peter, for us, please? Thank you very much. Now, ladies and gentlemen... 
If you fit that back into the part you heard before the announcer spoke, you have on feeling like a million. Now, uh, on Friday night, the Port Jervis String Ensemble will... Uh, do you mind if I interrupt, Mr. Allen? Why, no, Portland. Into each life, some rain must fall, unless, uh, unless one lives in Palm Springs, of course. Or unless one is an old maid. What is an old maid to do with no rain falling in her life? If an old maid never gets married, she never gets a shower, does she? <laughs> Tub her shower as long as she's healthy. What is this? Well, I've got a big surprise for you tonight, Mr. Allen. Big surprise? Now, look, Portland, this is the day of digest publications, consequences. Concentrated foods and capsule criticism. Couldn't you sense the trend and show up with a little surprise? But this is the biggest thing you've had on the program this year. Hello again for the fourth time. <laughs> now look, Portland, a thing on the program we don't need. Stuff I don't mind, but not a thing. <laughs> but, Mr. Allen, it isn't a thing. This is an old friend of yours from the days of Bill. If it's Otto the train seal, throw him a fish and tell him I'm busy. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Fred. If you'll just take your nose, that one you used to talk through, out of that microphone, <laughs> you'll see that it's me. Oh, Jack! Jack Benny! Well, I'm terrible. Wait a minute. There's a reception goes in there. Well, doesn't happen. I was worried there for a minute. <laughs> well, you've been on four times. If you want, took a little bit each time, it's better you get it all at once like this. <laughs> Let it pile up. Well, I'm terribly sorry, Jack. I didn't notice you. How long have you been standing there? Since 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> They've been using me instead of the bull of a watch time. Say, Jack, did Mary come along with you? No, Porty. She wanted to come over, but she's busy with her Christmas shopping. Shopping. Yeah, right now she's over at Bullock's wheelchair putting me through bank. That gives me an idea. Howie ho, Jack. So long, Forty. Well, Jack, this is quite a surprise you dropping in. I didn't know you were going to be here tonight. I didn't know it either, Fred, until I heard you announce it five times last week. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, Freddie. I appreciate that buildup. I'm one guy who knows that it pays to advertise. Now, listen here, Benny. If that's a hint... You're not getting one cent for crawling in here tonight, and you know it. <laughs> Why, Fred, I uh, really, I didn't expect to get paid for this. I haven't any more right to take money for working on this program than you have. <laughs> you for a while, eh? Now, uh... <laughs> Those armchair jokes, they'll hold you for a while. <laughs> now, hold on there. Hold on there, Benny. That's an insult. Well, if I, if I was Professor Quiz, I'd say correct. Absolutely correct. And if I was Major Bowes, you'd have left with a unit ten minutes ago. <laughs> hey, that's nice work if you can get it. You know, Freddie, I wouldn't mind being back in Vaudeville again, though, would you? Ah, those were the good old days. Yes, sir. Say, Fred. No kid, will you ever forget the time you and I were together at the Orpheum Theater in Sioux City, Iowa? Yep. Only I was on the stage. <laughs> I don't care, Freddie. I made more money selling peanuts in one day than you did all week. <laughs> well, 
Jack, I didn't make much money in those days, but I was a pretty good juggler. Remember how I used to toss those Indian clubs in the air and do a funny monologue at the same time? I sure do. And Fred, you remember when you dropped those clubs? How you'd let them lay there right alongside of your joke? <laughs> yep. Well, you ought to know you swept up the theater every night. I did not. I used to stay in the theater late just to practice my violin. Well, you should have stuck to your broom. I should have stuck to my own program, too. Right? <laughs> I had asked for this yet, too. Well, you had to write well, it yet, too. Well, Fred, anyway, a lot of water has gone over the darn since then, huh? Over the darn? Yes, Fred, you know how careful we have to be. <laughs> But just think, Freddie, just think, here we are, both in Hollywood and both of us in pictures. It does seem unreasonable, doesn't it? <laughs> Poor Fred, maybe I shouldn't point this out, but I, uh, I do make a lot more pictures than you do. Well, Jack, there's so little of you in each one, you have to make more. <laughs> oh, is that why they do it? <laughs> Glad you brought that up. How do you like pictures, Fred? Fine, Jack. I just finished one called Sally, Irene, and Mary. I'm leaving for New York next week. Oh, they're releasing you instead of the picture. <laughs> now, Benny, if you're here to drip venom, heed your promiscuous spattering, and remember that retribution is the trailer that follows oral pollution. <laughs> Alan, you're just lucky. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyway, I had a hunch you were going back east, Fred, and that's why I came up here to see you. Have you decided uh, which way you're going back? I mean, uh, which form of transportation? Well, I was going to take the boat and go through Panama, but I've got a hat, so oh. I decided to, uh, I decided to take the train. Well, Fred, I, of course, I don't want to influence you one way or the other, but, uh, have you ever thought of... Driving back east? You know, by automobile? Uh, what kind of an automobile? Now, don't rush me. <laughs> and it's in good condition, too. <laughs> no kidding. Would you like to drive back home, Freddie? No, Jack. I'll, uh, I'll stick to the chief. Well, if you'd rather hang around with Indians. <laughs> the chief is a train, as you will find out when you finish your next picture, Mr. Benny. <laughs> Say, what are you trying to get at, anyway? Well, Fred, I own a Maxwell. And I thought that... You if... don't think you can palm that tin nightmare off on me, I hope. Why, I wouldn't be found dead in that car. Say, you're no better than the engine. <laughs> Why, the engine in that steam cabinet is so dead, the front wheels are nothing but rubber... Where is that uncovered wagon? It's right outside the door. Hey, boys, boys. Yeah, uh, will you drive my Maxwell in, please? Now, be careful, fellas. It's a high-powered car there, you know. Right in here, boys. Right in here. Well, uh, want us to leave it right here, Mr. Benny? Yes, yes, thanks, fellas. Hey, what's, what's that noise? Noise? I'll cut off the motor so we can hear it. Oh, the door. Yes, thanks. <laughs> I, uh, I went 
have to close it, and it came off in my hand. <laughs> well, you can stick it back on with a little new skin, Jack. Say, what's that bottle of scotch doing tight on the front? That's for the radiator on New Year's Eve. <laughs> it looks like the car's got a hangover already. Benny, you may not be a snake in the grass, but you're sure hanging around with the rattlers, eh? That's libel, Alan. And if I had my writers here, what we'd call you. Be a four-bell rat. Say, what's up? Say, who's Say, what was that? Did the engine drop out? No, Smarty, it's the new sunken motor. And listen to this horn. That note is by Stokowski. Well, how, how, is, how is the car on gas? Well, I get about four miles to the cord. If I insist, of course. If you, uh, uh, if you put your foot down. Yes, yes. Well, uh, how much does that make to the gallon? Well, I never put in a gallon. I don't believe in spoiling a car. You know how it is with gas tanks. Easy come, easy go. Well, Alan, what do you say? Well, now that I've had a good look at this bear trap, Jack... I know why the Maxwell people went into the coffee business. <laughs> now, Freddie, I'm not begging you to take this car. Only I thought, well, you walk all the time. You're not getting any younger. I think you ought to take your varicose veins out for a spin once in a while. <laughs> what are you asking for this Rhapsody and junk? I'm asking $95 FOB. FOB for old Benny. <laughs> How about it, Fred? Say, if you don't know, <laughs> laughing at your next Sunday show already. Right? <laughs> yeah, wait. If you don't know, I'd give $1,000 if I could think of an answer right now. <laughs> if you don't know by now that I don't want that car, you ought to have your skull in. All right, Fred, as long as you don't want to buy it, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll wrap it in cellophane, tie a big red ribbon around it, and give it here for Christmas. How's that? If I wake up Christmas morning and find that monstrosity in my stocking, I'll go barefooted the rest of my life. <laughs> that would be nothing new for you, you hillbilly. <laughs> so you don't even want it for a present, huh? I don't want it present, past, the future. You can take that animated skillet. All right, Fred, all right. I merely wanted to be a good fellow, that's all. If you don't want the car... And I think you don't. I'll be on my way. No hard feelings, I hope. No, Jack, I haven't anything against you. Not Benny the man. I'm just not in the market, that's all. I hope I didn't offend you. Oh, no, Freddy. I'll just have to sell it to some other uh, guy. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, old boy. Same to you, Jack, and good luck. Thanks, Freddy. Goodbye. What was that, Jack? That's what my car thinks of you, Alan. Go on, everybody. Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, very well done, Master Benny. You've come a long way since the last time we met. And now... <laughs> and now... Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's all get together and make this coming holiday a safe, sane, and happy one. Will you buy your cap pistols, Roman candles, toy cannon, and firecrackers, 
Be sure. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Just a minute, Fred. What holiday are you talking about, anyway? By the 4th of July, of course. Well, Fred, the coming holiday is Christmas. I know that, Harry, but if you start talking about Christmas these days, you run into a lot of competition. And besides, I had a message up my sleeve. I want people to be careful. I want them to be able to enjoy their holiday. Fred, I had a holiday message also. Oh, Harry, did I spoil it for you? Well, no, because I want everybody to enjoy the holidays, too. And I want them to be careful. Especially careful of the cold. Because nothing can take the merry out of a merry Christmas more completely than a cold. That's why I hope that during the holidays, everyone will be sure to have a bottle of Sal Hepatica on hand. Because so many physicians say you can often help throw off a cold more quickly if, at its very beginning, you do two important and fundamental things. One, remove accumulated waste. And two, counteract the acidity that so frequently accompanies a cold. And Sal Hepatica, ladies and gentlemen, is an effective mineral salt laxative that does both of those things at once. It not only removes accumulated waste through laxation, but it also helps nature counteract that acidity. So don't take chances on a cold spoiling your holidays. Take Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you those theatrical termites who have gone through their artistic lives trying to bring down the house... The Mighty Allen Art Players. Tonight they present a Christmas fable. It's called Santa Claus Sits Down or Jingle Bells Shall Not Ring Tonight. Over to you, Peter. This is station NG, NG, folks. Our next program will be... Just a minute, folks. Here's the bulletin from the Radio News Bureau. A rumor has just reached us that Santa Claus will not ride this Christmas. Unconfirmed reports ride throughout the country that Santa Claus is on sit-down strike. What's going on in Santa Claus's igloo? Stand by, folks. Assassinated Press is investigating the trouble, and we hope... Is this the Santa Claus igloo? Yes, I'm Mrs. Claus. Well, I'm Phil B. to the Assassinated Press. I'm here to check on this rumor that Santa Claus refuses to ride this year. Oh, I'm glad to come. I've been fighting with him all week, and he refuses to budge. Well, where is Santa Claus now? Oh, the old fool's in the next room sulking. I'll get him. Hey, Santa! Oh, there ain't no use coaching, Ma. Oh, you ain't go. <laughs> come on out, stupid. You got company. Oh, well... What's on your mind, son? Well, I'm from the assassinated press, Santa Claus. Now, what's this I hear? Oh, no, I, I ain't riding now. But this is Christmas Eve. Trees are lit up. Millions of children have hung up their stockings. The whole world is well, waiting. Well, regardless, I ain't riding. Ain't no use, mister. He's stubborn. No, I ain't stubborn neither. I'm sick of being Santa Claus, holding the bag every year. <laughs> Well, you must have a reason for quitting. I got plenty of reasons. Well, will you talk for the press? Yeah, might swell, I guess. Well, now, Santa, why won't you ride tonight? Well, I'll tell you, son. It's a long story. I've been clawsing it for 1937 years, son. I've been a-bringing presents, boys for kiddies, loud neckties and handkerchiefs for grown-ups, every Christmas trying to spread joy. But my efforts down through the ages has been a bitter disappointment. My intentions has been good, but my reward has been nothing but grief. The first trouble I had was in ancient Rome. It was Christmas Eve in the court of Nero. The emperor was playing a violin concerto.
Is your emperor the best fiddler in Rome, Latches? Yes, Nero. Is your king a master of pizzicato? Yes, Nero. El Nero play an encore? No, Nero. What? You dog. Be gone, hypocrite. Clear my throne room. Yes. Now I can play my violin. I'm alone. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Uh, what's this? What fell out of my chimney? Merry Christmas, Nero. Merry Christmas. Who are you, Lumpkins, the chimney sweep? I'm Santa Claus, Nero, bearing Christmas gifts for your majesty. Cad Zooks, another basket of fruit from the Rome Kiwanis Club. <laughs> no, my gift is a trinket rare. So rare, it hasn't even been invented yet. Watkins, what is this tiny golden box? It's a cigarette lighter, Nero. Turn your little wheel. Gramercy, it flames. It flames. Merry Christmas, Nero. Oh, it flames. Rome has scoffed at my fiddle. Nero will have his revenge. Hey, watch that lighter, Nero. You're setting fire to the drapery. I'm setting fire to all Rome. Revenge. Look out, revenge. Nero. So you see, son, if it wasn't for Santa Claus, Rome wouldn't have burned. Well, I know that, but... Here I was trying to spread good cheer, and what did I get? Singed whiskers. But that was 2,000 years ago. Nero was only the start of my trouble, son. A few centuries later, I had trouble in a little country to the north of England. That Christmas, I had a present for a young poet. I peeked in the window. He was writing a sonnet. His mother come into the room. Father? Father? Hi, Mother. It's time you were to bed, blood. I'm composing, Mother. Have you not heard them a poet? A poet at your age, Robbie. I am Robbie Burns, the youngest poet in the Glen. Are you concocting a limerick? Well, never wants to. It's no finish. Oh, I can't think of a rhyme for brave. Uh, pay. Pay in a Scotch song? <laughs> Are you a dark, Mother? will be lost on the hit parade. <laughs> well, you'd better find a rhyme in a hurry and go to bed. Composing on Christmas. It's evil. Good night. Good night, Miller. Oh, a rhyme. Bray, Clay, Day, Chevrolet. <laughs> Who are you coming out of that chimney? I'm Sandy Claus, Bobby Burns. Merry Christmas. What's your business, Red Britches? <laughs> I'm Santa Claus, Bobby. I brought you something here. A rhyming dictionary. Put one, let me look. I pray, ray, say, pray. Where me and my true love will ever want to stray. I a bonny rhyme. I've written a gem. Merry Christmas, Bobby. How much are you asking for the rhyming dictionary, Claus? It's Christmas, Bobby. I'm giving it to you. Giving it? Help, Feather, help. Oh, Feather. What's wrong, son? Like mine's a lunatic, Feather. A dark Sandy, hey? I'm Santa Claus, Mr. Burns. I only gave Bobby a Christmas gift. Give him? Grab him, now, son. We'll take him to the oh. asylum. Hold on, Mr. Burns. I only gave your son a present. Exactly. A man who gives anything away in Scotland belongs in a padded cell. Grab him, son. Scotland. I was in the booby hatch there for 30 days. But that was 200 years ago. I know, but a few Christmases later, I got a raw deal in another suburb of England. It was called the American Colonies. 
I dropped in at the house of some fellow named Paul Revere. His wife was preparing dinner as Paul came through the door. Dinner ready, Effie? Yes, Paul. Pull up a chair. No, no. Set my plate on the mantelpiece. Can't you sit down yet, Paul Revere? Why, that land was... That ride was last April. Uh, through every Middlesex village and farm, ain't what's around Central Park, Effie. Well, you ought to try and sit down for Christmas, Paul. It'd be a nice present for your spies. Who's that? Might be a British spy, Paul. The woods is full of them. Hand him a gun. I'll talk to him through the door. Who's there? Merry Christmas, Paul. It's Santa Claus. So what? I've got your Christmas present, Paul. It's a cushion stuffed with fuzz from Delaware Peaches. Can I sit onto it? You bet. Sounds mighty tempting, Effie. I'll let him in. It might be a British trick, Paul. Don't open that door. I'm Santa Claus, Mrs. Revere. Open up. I've got my gun, Effie. I'll open the door. I'll crack. Merry Christmas, Paul. Look at his suit, Paul. A red coat. Take this. Now, whoa, now, Paul. Well, sir, when I got back to my sleigh and start down, I was mighty glad I still had that cushion full of peach fuzz. You see, son, the world's given old Santa plenty of trouble. But all these troubles were years ago, Santa Claus. People appreciate you today. You're wrong, son. Only last Christmas, I went down to a place called Washington, D.C. I got confused and went down the wrong chimney. I come out in some office. Coming down the chimney, I heard a man phoning. Hello. Hummingbird Conservation Project, Professor Beek speaking. Two million dollars for a hummingbird community bird bath in Florida. I'll mail your check Monday. Goodbye. <laughs> here, what are you doing here? Merry Christmas. I'm Santa Claus. Santa Claus? One of the Wagner Act clauses? No, no. I'm a mythical character. Oh, a friend of Jim Farley's, eh? <laughs> no, no. I come down from the North Pole once a year to give things away. I give and give all up and down the land to make people happy. You do? Well, you'd better go back to the pole, Fatty. But I'm Santa No, you're not. The government is Santa Claus today. And that was only last year, son. That's why my spirit's broken. Being Santa Claus is just one pain in the ermine after another. Well, won't you reconsider? Think how the headline will look in the paper. Santa Claus on sit-down strike. Well, Santa ain't a-getting up, son. This is one Christmas I'm going to enjoy in peace. What's that clock striking? Twelve o'clock, Santa. It's Christmas Day. It is, eh? Well, I ain't moving. I don't mean nothing to me. I'm sitting here. I'm taking it easy. I'm leaning right back here. Not getting kicked around this Christmas. Oh, shucks. Hey, Ma. Yes, Santa. Where's my mitten? My bag? My reindeer? My sleigh? You mean? Yep, I'm going, Ma. But I thought you said... I've changed my mind, son. Christmas ain't Christmas without Santa Claus. I'm a-giving the world one more chance. But what about my story, Santa on sit-down? Change the headline, son. Just say, Buck Santa rides again. <laughs> Before 
Before we meet again next Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas will have come and gone. So right now, I want to wish every one of you the merriest and the happiest kind of a holiday. This comes from Peter and Harry, and from our sponsors, the makers of Artana Toothpaste and Sal Hepatica. And so then, from all of us to all of you, Merry Christmas. from Love and Hisses, and I'm Feeling Like a Million from the Broadway Melody of 1938. This is the National Broadcasting Company.